Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Happy Easter, everyone. So glad you're here today. I'm going to start out with a joke today. I hope you don't mind. It's got to be time for an Easter joke, right? So in the old days, it was common for some churchgoers to only make it to church occasionally. After all, farm work never ends, not even on Sunday. It was also common for the preachers to take offense at this lackadaisical approach to spirituality. So one Easter, a parishioner was leaving church when the pastor tracked him down, noticed it was someone he hadn't seen in months and months. He grabbed the parishioner by the hand and pulled him aside. The pastor said, there's a war against evil in this land, you know. You need to make a commitment to the army of the Lord. Well, the parishioner replied, I'm in the army of the Lord, pastor, honest, I swear. The pastor questioned him further. Then how come I don't see you except at Christmas and Easter? The parishioner replied, well, I'm in the reserves. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, it brings up the question for me. Why do we actually come to church in person anymore? We've got the Internet, right? You can listen to my podcasts. You can uh, take classes on spirituality online. Isn't this getting together in person thing just kind of (laughs) old-fashioned? Well, a couple of you are nodding. Most of you are like agreeing with Howard Thurman. We're using Howard Thurman's Discipline of the Spirit uh, this month to kind of guide us and instruct us. And he has a theory. He has a spiritual principle that goes with the last chapter of the book that we're going to be exploring today. He calls it the principle of reconciliation. And his belief is that there's an innate urge for us to congregate together uh, in terms of spiritual growth. That there's something about spirit itself, if you will, that wants to gather us all in, that actually desires to have our presence, and we feel it. Not, not necessarily every day, not necessarily every week, but there's a, a, a strong pull towards us doing our spiritual work, not just alone, but also in the company of other people. And so he calls it the, the principle of reconciliation. And that's what I want to talk about. Uh, he uh, even further delineates it into two pieces, uh, uh, both an external reconciliation and an internal reconciliation. And so we're going to cover those both. The place to start, though, with the external reconciliation is its opposite. Who here has wanted just to shut the world out entirely from time to time? Is everyone familiar with the idea of taking a kind of a mental health break day where you just want to not go into work, you don't want to do any of your obligations, you, you let the phone just ring until it's tired of ringing, right? Aren't there times in our life when the thought of being with other people, especially some of the people we're with perhaps already too often, that that's just the the last thing we want to encounter? 
And you know, some of us may even have more specifics than that. Some of us may have maybe a boss at work that's particularly difficult to be around. Some of us may have felt alienated from some of our family members because of things they have done. There's any number of reasons in the world that we would actually like to just cut off pieces of our family, our workplace. For instance, how many people are really enjoying the political scene right now? That's what I thought, right? Wouldn't it be nice if we could just kind of lop that off? My, my partner and I have been out in the yard doing spring cleaning and just lopping off the old dead things. And I, I think of that as a metaphor for pieces of our lives that really aren't working for us anymore. And you might say this is in opposition to this idea of reconciliation. And you know what? You would be right, The trouble is when we divorce ourselves from parts of our lives, even the parts of our lives that we don't like so well, it's as though we've put up a little bit of a wall. It's as though we've hardened our hearts a bit to certain aspects of our lives, certain aspects of the world, certain people, certain things, certain ways of being. And I got to tell you, this ultimately does not work out well for us. When we have put up a wall, when we have put up a barrier, when we've hardened our heart a little bit, even though we've done it perhaps for a darn good reason at the time, it's actually keeping us from experiencing our growth in the world. Now, Easter, of course, is all about growth. It's about that idea of rebirth. It's about that idea of a fresh start in light. And Howard Thurman that we're studying this month says, well, that's all well and good, but it probably isn't going to happen as long as we have resentments, as long as there are barriers in our life, as long as we're carrying around a lot of baggage from the past that we have not released and let go of. And so on the outer form, that outer version of reconciliation, that's perhaps one of the the troubling pieces of our lives. How do I reconcile with people that I don't necessarily agree with? How do I reconcile with a, a government that seems in the midst of petty fighting and trouble? How do I reconcile maybe with people at work that have harmed me or family members that have treated me poorly? How do I reconcile? I don't want it to be the way it was. I don't want to embrace if you will, these people that have harmed me. And the good news here is this isn't about coming to an agreement. This isn't even about necessarily inviting dangerous people back into our lives. That'd be silly, right? What it is about, though, is letting yourselves off the emotional hook. So here is the time for forgiveness. Here is the time for a blessing. Here is the time for really letting go some of the things that are bothering us, things that we have found hard to accept, really letting go the emotional oomph. So I I want you to check in with yourselves right now. Because some of you I know have already done forgiveness work, have already done reconciliation work, have had things happen to you in the past that were difficult and largely we've worked through them. So, So here's my test to see if reconciliation or forgiveness still needs to happen. So picture in your mind someone or something or some organization or some family member that perhaps in the past has caused you harm. So just picture that in your mind. And my question would be for you, and only you can answer it, do emotions, do difficult emotions still come up 
Is there still a feeling of fear? Is there still a feeling of anger? Is there still a feeling of resentment? Is there still an awkward or unpleasant sensation that comes? It might be a tightness in your stomach or a, or a heat in your heart. And if the answer to that is yes, then you have indeed still got a little bit of a wall set up, a little bit of baggage, if you will, that you're still dragging along with you. And those would be the kind of issues, believe it or not, that will thwart you from future progress. The idea is we can't have our heart both open and closed at the same time. We can't make progress in the world while at the same time keeping the world at arm's length. Does it make sense? So how you might move forward in this area, again, isn't about inviting necessarily these people and these issues back in your life. It's about accepting what happened as being in the past and just letting go of the the desire to hold on to the emotion, to hold on to the outrage or the, the sense of being wronged. Ultimately, we can't picture ourselves as a victim any longer. We can't choose to hold on to those resentments if we also want to move forward. And I would like to say it's only holding us back just in that one area of our life. But I'd be totally fibbing <laughs> if I said that because when we build a wall, it's a wall, sadly, When we harden our heart, we might think it's just against one person or one institution. But the trouble is the heart doesn't know the difference. The heart simply knows that you've built a shield over it. And so you're not only keeping yourself safe from that one person, you're keeping yourself from the abundance of the world. You're keeping yourself safe for other forms of love and connection. You're keeping yourself safe from all the good stuff as well as that one or two particular instances where you felt harmed. So again, the the call is perhaps to do some work around forgiveness, uh, the idea of cleaning out your emotional closet, if you will, being willing to release. Just say, that was then and I'm a different person. I don't need to buddy up to that person that wronged me, but I also don't need to hold a grudge. I also don't need to have that same feeling of heat or anger or fear. Okay, now I want to move on to the idea of the inner reconciliation. This one, I think in some ways, is easier and difficult at the same time. First of all, it's easier because you only have yourself to deal with, but maybe that's also the seeds of difficulty. The idea of reconciliation personally is when we're of a mixed mind about something, I, I suffer at work because I need the money. Do you, do you see the conflict here? I don't really want to be in that job, but I accept that job because it's my source of revenue. Oftentimes we'll do it with people too. Well, this is my cousin, so of course I have to love him or her, and yet, what an idiot. <laughs> right? So, so it, when we have in our own... <laughs> Well, we'll get to forgiveness there in a minute, too, I promise. <laughs> but, but when in our own mind we try to believe opposite things about a situation, what happens is we invite stress into our lives. 
What happens is when we try to believe something is good and bad at the same time, the job is good and the job is bad, the relationship is good and the relationship is bad, that situation, the the politics in the world, whatever it is, it has its pluses, but it has its minuses, and we allow them both to run free in our mind. What it does is it actually invites anxiety in. It actually invites stress. So if you've ever noticed yourself when you're stressed out, you can ask yourself a simple question here. What is the argument going on in my head? Because there will always be one. It's you literally against yourself, trying to believe two things at the same time. It's really the source of all the stress. It's why people have high blood pressure. It's why people have panic attacks. It's, it's all of those stress-related and stress-induced diseases that people have. It's because we're trying at the same time to believe two different things. This reconciliation is probably the most important to us because without it, we will not find peace. And again, it absolutely keeps us from moving forward when we're worried about things, when we're stressed out about things, right? Whether it's our health, whether it's our money situation, whatever it is, when we feel that stress, when we feel that conflict in our own minds, when we have self-doubts, any of those issues, it calls for an inward reconciliation. Now this one can be simple, but yet it's something that we often don't take the time to do. First of all, we have to recognize the conflict. We actually have to recognize, oh, I see what I'm doing. I'm totally being bitchy about my job. And at the same time, I'm recognizing this job is what allows me to exist in the world. We have to be upfront about that. We have to look it right in the face and say, okay, either I need to make a change here or I simply need to accept the good that I have. So if the ultimate answer is, yeah, but I'm going to keep this job, then why every day would I want to undermine working there in my own head? Does that make sense to you? And I know this is a tough one. I know that oftentimes it's kind of fun to gripe about things, isn't it? Are we all honest enough to say that from time to time it feels good to just gripe about things the way they are? And there's no problem with it doing it from time to time. But if you find yourself both holding on tight to something and griping about it at the same time, oh my gosh, get ready for medical diagnoses later in life. (laughs) It's the very recipe for some of the heart disease, anxiety disorders, you name it. You're signing yourself up for it. Now, I don't want to make this overly simplistic, but the basics of reconciling within our own hearts is, first of all, to notice when there's conflict. Notice that I'm trying to believe two things at one time, trying to make something good and something bad. And the answer, of course, is to reconcile those two issues. I'm in this friendship, and therefore, I'm okay with some of the negativity that's there. I'm in this job. I'm committed to it. I plan on retiring in it. And therefore, I'm at peace with some of the negative stuff that comes with it. And when you can do that, when you can say to yourself, 
I am resolved of this. I, I have come to a reconciliation. When I am at peace with it, oh my gosh, the stress just goes away. The issues that plague us, the anxiety of when the phone's ringing or whatever, you know, whatever it is, suddenly it's literally part of your good now rather than part of your ill. When we have that, that tendency to be angry about it but require it at the same time, then every little thing will set us off. Every little thing will highlight what's wrong with it and you will always feel like a victim. When in your heart you say, you know, this job isn't perfect, this relationship isn't perfect, uh, this situation isn't perfect, the politics in Washington right now are not perfect, but what I know is they allow me to live the way I'm choosing to live right now, and so therefore I'm okay with it, I'm at peace with it. There are a few things I intend to change, but otherwise I'm simply not going to choose to complain about something of which at the same time I'm embracing. I want to read a quote from Ernest Holmes, the founder of Science of Mind. It is both an Easter message that he had years ago, and it talks about this idea of reconciliation. He says, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. These words ascribed to Jesus at the close of his mission in this life, implying as they do a supreme confidence in the universe and in the immortality of the soul, they're fraught with peculiar significance to us at the Easter season. Jesus knew the soul to be immortal. He taught that this is but one of the innumerable planes for the soul on its ever-expanding pathway of self-enfoldment. Since humankind first began to meditate and earnestly upon the spiritual meaning of life, there has always been a teaching that this physical plane is but a manifestation of a more subtle and ethereal plane, that this physical body is but a counterpart of immaterial body. Now, immortality is either a principle in the universe or it is not. Consequently, if immortality is a principle, it must be true for every living soul. The spiritually illumined of the ages have taught the immortality of every person, the continuity of every person's individualized stream of God, and the consciousness and self-awareness. We may desecrate our outward natures. We may temporarily dishonor or disown parts of ourselves. We may prolong the advent of our heaven, but somewhere, under some condition, we shall reconcile all of the aspects of ourselves and awaken from our sleep. Let us pray. There is one power, one presence, one life, one goodness. Only this one thing, this unity principle, this togetherness of all matter, all consciousness. And what I know about it is that it also means me, that I am an individualized center of the spiritual consciousness of all time. And as it is true for me, it is true for every person. Each and every person has that spark of divinity within. Each of us, a small piece that is divine, full of love, full of joy, full of hope, full of capability, because we are part of those things. And so for today, I claim and affirm for each one that there is that ability to just notice our lives unfolding and to accept it as it comes. Not to make grand drama out of it. Not to think it is the end when it is anything but the end. 
just blessing our lives and, and trusting that our lives have a positive forward momentum. Despite the blips, despite the road bumps, knowing that we're on course and that it is a course aimed at joy, at peace, at love, at harmony, at abundance. And so for this, I give great thanks. For this, I simply entrust this prayer into the action and activity of the law itself. I let it be. And together we say, and so it is. Thank you so much for being here today. So glad you were here. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.us donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.